morning we're going to begin our series on the Holy Spirit. It's our first week of our summer series. We're diving right into the Holy Spirit, and Dennis is going to going to start us off this morning. Um, we're going to keep worshiping God in song right now. And um, as you're singing this song, you know, there's always something when you're singing a song. You just singing really is almost a prayer that we can't come up with our hearts or with our mouths or whatever, and it's just coming right out of our hearts. And you know, as you sing this one. There are so many things that fail us, and there are so many people that fail us, and we fail others. We fail people. We mess up. But you know what? God doesn't. God never fails us. His love never stops for us. It just keeps going no matter how good we are or how we mess up. It's just it's constant all the time, and that's awesome to know, and it's an awesome way to live and, and a great way to live in hope for our Father who loves us. Dear Lord, we just thank you for that truth, God, that your love remains no matter what. Lord, I pray um, as, the, as we continue the morning, Lord, that your name will be lifted high um, and that we will just be able to listen to what you have for us uh, through Dennis, God. We pray this in your name. Amen. Hey, you can go ahead and have a seat. It's great to see you this morning. I'll tell you what, we have experienced the weather pack this week, haven't we? And we've gone from 100 to 50 and today's just beautiful. Why can't we... This, let's keep this. This works. My name is Dennis. It's really good to see you today. As you walked in, you received a folder. I need you to take that out right now. And as you're doing that, I want to say thank you again. I'm just really proud of you for what you did last week. Really cool to get together in the warehouse and make all those packs. But honestly, the thing that I wondered about was if when we were done, we'd just have 100 packs sitting there and I'd get to deliver them all. And that's not the way it worked at all. You took your packs, you headed on out. We've received notes back from people who said thank you, some great stories, and just want to thank you again for taking the time to remember people who could be so easily forgotten. Um, as you have your folder out this morning, on the inside there's a card. Really need you to do this today. Would you put your name and your email address on it? Give me that much. Your name and your email. If you're, if you're new with us, you can fill out as much as you want to fill out. In fact, as you're leaving today, you notice the table by the banner at the back, and there are some books there. Go ahead and take one of those as our gift to you. But I want you to go ahead, once you put your name and email on that, to go to the back side and look at that little box that says, I am interested in, in red on the screen there. There are two things that we want to, to check on. Uh, we send out emails from church, and from time to time people say, I don't get the emails. And the funny thing is, you're on our list. So we're trying to figure out what's going on with that. So you have one of two options. I receive and read the emails. Now I know some of you are going to put in an ethical dilemma here. You receive them, but you don't read them or whatever. If you receive them and you see them at least and you go, ah, spam, you've read them. So go ahead and put, yeah, I read it. On the other hand, I do not receive or read them, but I want to. Check that off. And we'll take some time during the week to try to figure out what some of the dilemmas are that are going on there. We also have the opportunity in the summer to serve the people that serve our children. And so what we ask is that you consider taking maybe one Sunday to serve in one of our two smaller nurseries, the infant nursery or the toddler nursery. I'm even going to take a Sunday. There will be one Sunday that there will just be silence up here. And I'm going to be, well, we'll figure out something. But... um, Take a Sunday. It's our way of being able to say thank you to the people that serve and help out with that. So if you can do that, you can check that in that box, or you can go ahead and write it uh, on the sheet that's between the kiosks in the hallway. Well, we are um, 
breaking into a new series this summer. Last year, we started a new tradition, a tradition we're calling Dive. It's our chance to be able to go ahead and, and look at a topic, a single topic, in, in much greater depth. Last year, remember, we looked at the book of Philippians, four chapters all summer long, and talked about the concept of, of pure joy, the joy that we can experience in, in Jesus Christ. This summer, we're going to take a dive in a different direction. We're going, to, we're going to just focus in on the Holy Spirit. Who is the Holy Spirit? What is the role that He plays in the life of every believer? We want to walk away from summer of 2012 with a clearer understanding of who the Spirit is, a, a deeper appreciation for His role in the Trinity, and hopefully a more compelling experience of His presence in our lives as individuals and in our collective life as a church. So, so that's the direction we'll be going uh, throughout the summer. Now, what I'm going to ask you to do right now is uh, walk out to the end of the dock. Go ahead. Get on out there. Are you ready? When I'm about to dive into water, I like to dangle my toes. I'm not into just jumping and seeing if it's cold or if there's something big out there looking to gobble me up. And so I like to dabble my toes a little bit. So we're going to do some toe dabbling before we dive right in. Let me give you a little quiz on the Holy Spirit. Now, this isn't intended to embarrass you or anything like that. It's true and false. Uh, most of the questions are, are pretty fundamental. They're not meant to be really tricky or anything like that. And part of what I hope will happen for you is it'll give you an idea of what you already know about the Holy Spirit and, and what you may need to learn. So here's question number one. The first time the Holy Spirit is mentioned in the Bible is in the book of Exodus. True or false? Okay, this is going to be a good study, I promise you. You know, it's not in the second book of the Bible. It's actually in the second verse of the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and, and empty, and darkness covered the deep, deep waters, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters even before Jesus is mentioned in the Bible. Second verse of the Bible, the Holy Spirit is mentioned. All right, let me give you another one. You'll like this one. The Hebrew name for the Spirit is Ruach. Now, you got to... Can you do that? Go ahead, everybody. You have allergies today? Say it with me. Ruach. Ruach. And it means wind. True or false? Okay, I know. It's 930 we're all going to stand up now and go to the coffee station. Uh, what's going on here? It does mean wind. Uh, that is the actual Hebrew term. Uh, and basically what that term does, it starts to give us an idea of, of the nature of the Spirit. Gives us an idea of, of who He is and, and what His uh, personality is like. Let's go to the Greek word. The Greek name for the Holy Spirit is pneuma, meaning deep cough. True or false? Oh, if you take a guess at false, you're doing pretty well. Although, that's the same pneuma where you'll hear pneumonia, pneumatic drill, and, and it basically has the idea of air, a breeze, breath. 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is God-breathed, breathed out by the Spirit. So again, that picture of the Spirit as, as wind or breeze. Here we go. The Holy Spirit became Jesus when he came to earth as a baby. True or false? This is not only false, this is heresy. If you said true and you lived 400 years ago, the Bic lighters would be out and you'd be 
today's lunch. I mean, it would be over, right? So fortunately, y'all said false. You knew that. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have been and always will be unique and distinct. They don't become each other, morph into each other, or anything like that. At Jesus' baptism, the Holy Spirit descended on Jesus in the form of an eagle. I'm sorry. I can't stop smiling. I practiced not smiling. It just No, he came down as a pigeon, right? It came down as a dove. It came down in the form of a dove on Jesus. Here's a, uh, not a, a true, oh, this is a true false, sorry. The Holy Spirit is a force or power, not a person. This one's a little tricky. Uh, the Holy Spirit is actually a person. Uh, he is not a force. He is not a power. This isn't use the force, Luke, or something like that. The, the Holy Spirit is an actual person with personality, and we'll talk about that more as the summer goes along. Okay, this is not a true false. You've got to fill in the blank on this one. The Holy Spirit could not come to live in us until something happened first historically. Do you know what it is? Yeah, uh, the Holy Spirit could not come until Jesus left. In fact, uh, John 16, Jesus says, I have to go away because if I don't go away, the advocate, the comforter can't come. So that had to happen first uh, before we could go ahead and have the Spirit living within us. How about this one? The fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit are the same thing. True or false? Some of you even rattled your head on that one. Good job. False. They are two different things. Galatians 5.22 talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. By the way, look at the word. It says fruit of the Spirit, not fruits. This is not a fruit bowl. This is one fruit. This is the produce of the Spirit. And he's not saying you get to pick and choose. I want some love, but I'll skip out on the gentleness. He's saying, no, you get all, all of the fruit of the Spirit. You have to experience them all. On the other hand, the gifts, 1 Corinthians 12 is just one place that talks about it. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. And he goes on to list some of them. Leadership and administration and mercy and giving. How about this one? The Spirit had a distinct role in the writing of Scripture. True or false? It's true. It's true. Uh, 2 Peter 1.20 tells us that a prophet didn't come up with the idea of his own human initiative, but he was moved by the Holy Spirit, and because of that he spoke the Word of God. In fact, he not only has a unique role or distinct role in the writing of Scripture, but also in the interpretation of Scripture. The Bible tells us it's through the Spirit that we understand what the Bible means. (coughs) How about this one? The formal theological term for the doctrine of the Holy Spirit is pneumatology. True or false? Oh, just say true. Yeah, because it is. So if you know the two words, pneuma, pneuma being spirit, logi, you know, there's a study of biology, biology, the study of life, pneumatology, the study of the spirit. Here's one I like. In 1978, the Council of Cleveland voted unanimously to stop using the term Holy Ghost and instead use the term Holy Spirit. True or false? Come on, just guess false. It's not that hard. Go for it. Yeah, woo, false. We are off and running. Yeah, it's false. But what did happen in the 70s is the introduction of some modern English translations of the Bible that didn't use the word Holy Ghost anymore. King James used Holy Ghost. The modern translations use the word Spirit. And here we are, (coughs) just several decades later, 
And instead, we're calling him the Holy Spirit instead of the Holy Ghost. People have many different reactions to the Holy Spirit. I mean, if you just bring up the Holy Spirit in conversation, people have all kinds of different reactions. Um, Francis Chan, a few years back, pastor and, and popular Bible teacher, wrote a book, Forgotten God. And his concept was basically that people have forgotten about the Spirit. They know the Father, they know the Son, but they just kind of leave the Spirit out. It's been my experience in, in evangelical circles that one of the reactions that people have toward the Spirit is fear. Oh, not, you know, quaking, shaking fear, but, but apprehension, some trepidation, extreme caution. They get, a little, they get a little tense when you talk about the Holy Spirit. They wonder where you're going. They wonder if your theology's evolved. They wonder what scary thing you're going to pull out. And that's why today we're talking about the concept of pneumophobia. Fear of the Spirit. Why is it that people are so afraid to just go ahead and talk about the Holy Spirit? Our goal today is to identify our own pneumophobia. What's the area that you find yourself saying, I have some apprehensions about the Holy Spirit? And I'm going to suggest five areas that you might have apprehensions today. The first is this. We fear what we do not understand. If we don't understand something completely, we tend to have apprehension about it. Uh, We get God the Father and God the Son. Those make sense to us. I mean... You have a father, you know someone who's a father, you may be a son or have a son or have a brother who was a son. We get those concepts, but we, we don't have a spirit on our family. We have a weird uncle, we have a lot of things going on like that, but, but, but we don't have a Holy Spirit. And so there's kind of this part that we don't get how he fits into the family. Understanding the spirit is a bit like understanding the wind. We understand its impact. If a tornado goes through, we understand the impact of wind. But we can't see wind. When I see a leaf blowing, I can't say I see the wind. What I see is the effects. I see the effects of the wind. And that is much the same with the Spirit. In John 3, when Jesus was talking to Nicodemus, he's talking about being born again a second time and about spiritual life that comes through the Spirit. And he says that the wind, in verse 8, the wind blows wherever it wants. You can hear the wind, but can't tell where it's coming from or where it's going. And so you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. He says there's a side of the Spirit that's mysterious. There's a side of the Spirit that's unpredictable. And because of that, there are even parts of the Spirit that, that are inexplicable. And for some we go, I don't, I don't get it. So I'm just going to stay away from it. Don't get it too close to me because I don't understand it. One thing I hope to do this summer is is raise the level of your understanding of the Spirit so you won't experience pneumophobia simply from the standpoint of I don't understand the Spirit, who He is and how He works. We fear what we don't understand. Further, we fear what gets distorted. All right, a little participation here. How many of you growing up we're afraid of the thing living in the closet. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Come on. How many of you were deadly afraid of the boogeyman living under your bed? Come on. Go for it. My brother and I, when we would go into our room, 
and go toward our beds, we would jump as far away from the bed as we could and dive because we knew something was living under there. For those of you that were brave enough to admit that you used to think that, how many of you now know that is false? You got it? Yeah, you get that. Distortions of truth happen. People tell stories. We have experiences that don't mesh with reality. They don't mesh with what is true. Sometimes those people can even be sincere. They, they can really care. And yet they distort the truth nonetheless. Let me give you an example. This is Jolo, a hard place to find. Winding mountain roads are the only way in. Visitors are rare, but for those who do come, it's an unforgettable experience. Fifty of the faithful gather for Sunday service. It's filled with loud music, lots of dancing. You might expect that. What might surprise you are the copperheads and rattlers. They're part of the Pentecostal church, but the faithfuls here know the world outside may not understand, may not approve, may even hold them up for ridicule. That when you take that serpent, it conquers you, and he can't bite you. He can only do what God allows him to do. Whatever people may think, there is no denying this is high-energy religion. Snakes pass from hand to hand. Elders speak in new tongues, and the dancing doesn't stop. The celebration of their belief in God is compelling to watch. But for the followers, there is a price to pay. Swigs of strychnine and poisonous snake bites can be deadly. Have you lost congregation members to a snake lost bite? lost a sister in 62, and then we lost one last... December, this past December was a year ago. Chapter 16 in the book of Mark calls for God's followers to handle serpents and drink poisons. Some see it as the ultimate proof of their faith. For those unfamiliar, all this may be too bizarre, but at the Church of the Lord Jesus in Jolo, it has been this way for some 40 years. Like coal mining, religion here is passed on from one generation to the next. For these people, it's a way of life that's timeless as timeless as the Appalachian Mountains they call home. I don't show that today to mock them or to demean them, but there are some areas in which they're clearly distorting what the Bible teaches. And the funny thing is, even the news reporter distorted what was going on in the story. They say Pentecostals do this. I promise you, I know Pentecostals that don't dance with snakes in their service. But now everybody believes that this is what happens in a Pentecostal church because news reporters said that's the way it is. There are distortions about the spirit. I mean, this morning, if Trevor had been standing here saying, okay, we're going to pull out the snakes now, I suspect a lot of you, first of all, will be standing as hard against the back wall as you could and you'd be shopping for a new church next week. We, we, wouldn't, we wouldn't be going for that. Um, there are some people that say that in order to experience the spirit, you have to speak in tongues. In order to experience the spirit, you have to be slain in the spirit. They, there, there are charlatans out there, have been, and are still on TV, that claim to be healing a person when in fact they're not. 
all kinds of things like that, distortions that go on of truth. Now, is that sad? I don't believe in healing or I don't believe in some of the other things? No, but there are distortions. And the distortions cause people to say, I'm just staying away from the thing altogether. I'm not, I'm not taking a chance because how will we know where the line is? When, when's Dennis going to pull out the snakes? What's going to happen? And so we get nervous about that. We fear it because it's been distorted by people. We also fear the spirit because we fear what is powerful. You have the Greek word dunamis there. That, that, hear it there? Dynamite, explosive, power. This is a word used to describe the spirit. He's powerful. We, have, we get tense in the presence of power. I was driving to Wisconsin not too long ago. There was a little town called Rosendale. Their entire tax base is based on the tickets they collect from foreigners from Illinois. I, I, I swear. And I'm driving through, and, I, and the cop is sitting over here on the side, and I look, and as I'm driving by, he starts to move. I'm like, oh, no, you've got to be kidding me. And so I'm going along, sure enough, the gumballs turn on. I'm like, oh, what was I doing? I was going 25. I had my seatbelt on. I was driving that red car. I don't know, maybe he was scared about that. But anyway, I'm driving along, and fortunately, zings around. Into the guy. I tell you what, for about 10 miles, my heart was still going... It just wouldn't stop. I didn't want that ticket. I have a healthy fear of the gumballs. That, 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 that works for me. I have a healthy fear of electricity. I had a friend who was killed by electricity when I was 14. And ever since, when I'm working with electricity, I'm really conscious about it. We're, we're fearful of things that are powerful. Well, I'll tell you what. If you read about the Holy Spirit in the Bible, he's powerful. In Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes on the people. It says in verse 2, suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. Everyone present was filled with the Spirit and they began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them the ability. This is not just your common mundane church service. Something powerful is going on here. You go on just a little bit further in Acts chapter 4, the group is praying together and it says, after this prayer, the meeting place shook and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they preached the word of God with boldness. Truth be told, most people don't want a powerful experience with God. They want a comfortable experience with God. They want a God that feels like a warm blanket and a little bit of sunshine on a nice day. But they're not looking for real power to take place in their life. They just want a convenient God who makes them feel better. And so when, when a God that might actually start exhibiting power in my life, we go, hum, I'm nervous about that. That scares me. How about this one? We fear what is dangerous. I promise you the spirit is dangerous. He is. Let me give you a couple examples. Um, Matthew 4. Do you remember when Jesus went into the wilderness? It says Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted and became very hungry. Now, that whole verse, you're looking and thinking, wow, Jesus made a mistake. One day he's walking and whoops, he ended up in the wilderness, a very uncomfortable place. And whoops, there was the devil. And and whoops, he forgot food so he couldn't eat for 40 days. This isn't a whoops. The Bible says the Spirit of God led him to a dangerous place. The Spirit of God sometimes will lead us to do dangerous things, not just comfortable things. Or how about this one? 
This story, I still remember it from Sunday school, and I'll tell you what, it terrified me. Acts chapter 5. A man named Ananias and a woman named Sapphira. They sell some property and they say, we're giving all of the proceeds to the church. Only they didn't give all the proceeds. They agreed to keep some of it for themselves. Look at verse 3. Then Peter said, Ananias, why have you let Satan fill your heart? You lied to the Holy Spirit. And you kept some of the money for yourself. Now, the problem isn't they kept some of the money. The problem is they lied about it. They lied about what they were doing. And the Bible says they lied to the Spirit. Keep going. It says, as soon as Ananias heard these words, he fell to the floor and died. I I always wonder what the offering was like the next week. You know, I just... (laughs) It says everyone who heard about it was terrified. They didn't all go, well, we expected that. They were terrified. And some men take him out, bury him. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what happened. Peter asked her, was this the price you and your husband received for the land? Yes, that was the price. And the Bible says, how could the two of you even think of conspiring to test the spirit of the Lord like this? He goes on to say, the guys who buried your husband are now going to bury you. And... Instantly, she fell to the floor and died. Verse 11. Great fear gripped the entire church and everyone else who heard what happened. Looking at that and you're going, I don't know if I want anything to do with that kind of Holy Spirit. That kind of Holy Spirit that actually makes me be honest. That holy kind of Holy Spirit that actually makes me keep my word. Uh, we should have some healthy respect for God, shouldn't we? we? We just view sin as, oh, well, I oopsed. Or, oh, well, it was just something that I did and it's no big deal. And here it's saying, no, you lied to the Holy Spirit. And that's a problem. We fear things that are dangerous. And I promise you, there is a side to the Spirit that is dangerous. But maybe it all comes down to this one. We fear being changed. You know, we we say our church is about changing lives. Southfield Church, simply life-changing. It's not just a nice little tagline. It's everything we're about. We believe that you should come to God as you are. But we believe that once you've encountered God, you should be becoming more and more like Jesus Christ. You don't get to decide, I'm here now, I'm all right, I'm going to stay where I am. Throughout the entirety of our lives, God will continue to work on us to change us to be like Jesus. Let me give you a key verse for this study. Found in Galatians 5.25, it says, Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. I want to encourage you to learn that verse. Memorize it. Especially, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Not just, not just a few, every part of our lives. Let me set the context. In fact, verse 16, Paul says, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of the sinful nature. These two forces are constantly fighting against each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. 
sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousies, outbursts of anger, selfishness, ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other kinds of sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have said before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. And then we see the verse we just looked at a bit ago. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in your lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these. Those who belong to Jesus Christ have nailed, the passions, have nailed their passions and desires of their sinful nature to the cross and have crucified them there. Then the verse. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. Look at the verse again. And I'll show you the contrast of how they put in the New International Version. New Living says, Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. New International Version says, Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So, so you're walking along with the Spirit, keeping stride, keeping step with Him. You're letting Him lead every part of your lives. We fear the Spirit because deep inside, we really do not want to be changed. There are decisions we've made that we don't want to undo. There are choices we've made that we do not want to give up. There are habits that we have that we want to hold on to. We do not want to let go. We're kind of like, I, I watch with my kids, I've watched Idol, and we watch What Not to Wear. Kind of two shows that we, that we catch a lot, okay? Interesting, interesting shows. You, yeah, I, I should be a candidate. But anyway, <laughs> not for Idol. Um, <clears throat> on these shows, now I know with What Not to Wear, these people are kind of going involuntarily. Idle, they're there because they're going to be the next star. Both of them have a tendency to do the same thing when they're given advice. In both settings, they say something like this. But I don't want to give up who I am. You'll have this artist who's being given advice by professionals, and the person will say, but I don't want to give up my uniqueness. I don't want to give up who I am. You'll have somebody dressed in the most ghastly clothes, and they'll say, but I don't want to give up who I am. All your friends vote you should, but I don't want to give up who I am. We do the same thing. Inside we say, I like the way I am. I don't want to give up who I am. And God's saying, if you would just give yourself completely to me, you'd be amazed at who you'd become. But you keep holding on to things that are holding you back. Here's what we do. We tend to live a compartmentalized Christianity rather than a fully integrated faith. We tend to say, God, you can have this part, but not this part. You can have this relationship, but not this relationship. You can have this area of my life, but not this area of my life. And the Bible says it needs to be a fully integrated faith. You don't get to pick and choose the areas that you will surrender to the Spirit if you're going to live a Spirit-filled life. Now, if you don't want to live a Spirit-filled life, continue with the compartmentalized thing. But please don't complain about how Christianity isn't working for you because that's not Christianity. The Spirit wants us to surrender every area of our lives to Him. 
not pick and choose what we'll give him and what we won't. Our problem is that we're not looking to be changed so much as we're looking to be tweaked or improved. Not wanting to become fully like Jesus, just wanting to be a little better me. And the Bible doesn't talk about just becoming a little better me. The Bible talks about becoming fully like Jesus Christ. We fear what we do not understand. We have some learning to do. We fear what is distorted, and we need some discernment to know truth from error. We fear what is powerful. God wants us to embrace the Spirit's power, not reject it. We fear what is dangerous, and you know what? We should have a healthy respect for the Spirit. The Spirit should be helping us to live holy lives as we think of the ways that we could offend Him. We fear being changed. And yet God says, surrender. When are you going to finally give in? When are you going to finally realize that the only way you're going to get the life you're looking for is when you give it up completely to the Spirit? I asked you to put your name and email on that card, and I need you to pull it out right now. Because I have some very specific things I want you to do this week and really throughout this summer. Here's the card. We're looking at the big box area now. There are three things. The first thing I want to ask you is, will you allow your thinking to be challenged this summer? Will you allow yourself, just be open to having your thinking about the Spirit be challenged. It says, I'm ready to have my view of the Spirit challenged. I'm ready for that push. If you are, check that off. The second one, will you actually embrace the Spirit's power? Are you ready? No fear. I want more of the Spirit in my life. I'm ready for it, even if it's dangerous. Even if, even if His power consumes me, I'm ready for it. And the third is intensely practical. Um, I want you to work on your understanding. Do some reading this summer outside of here. I'm going to read at least one of the two recommended readings. It's on the inside of your folder. Two books I'm recommending. And you can, you can hit either one. One's a little thinner, one's a little thicker. The thinner one is Forgotten, Bo- Forgotten God by Francis Chan. Uh, nice, easy read about the Spirit. The other one's a little thicker, a little denser. It's going to push you a little bit. It's by J.I. Packer. Anything by Packer is, is going to take you for a deep swim. And it's called Keep in Step with the Spirit. Either of those books, I think, are going to challenge you some in your understanding of who the Spirit is and how He works in our lives. Let's pray together. It's sad, God, that there's this member of the Trinity that we forget and fear. Because of distortions and misunderstandings, we've just kind of decided that we're into God the Father and we love Jesus, but the Holy Spirit, we don't get Him, so we'll just kind of keep Him over to the side. Let other churches celebrate Him, but, but... We'll we'll stay a safe distance. I pray that you'd forgive us for not fully embracing the Spirit. And I pray that as we journey together this summer, uh, we'll be able to 
understand what your word says about the spirit. We'll be able to have the discernment to know what is a distortion and what is reality, what is truth. God, that even though there's a side to the spirit that is dangerous and intimidating, we'll say, I'm going for that. And more than anything else, God, that will finally say, if you want me to change, I'm ready to change. I surrender. I give, a, I give my whole life to you. Not just the pieces that are convenient. I give my whole life to you. So that we can be people that really live under the influence and power and filling of your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. In a moment, we'll experience communion. Trey will come to you. Bread and cup inserted to get, bread and juice inserted together. You can pull those two uh, cups apart. And as you do, I want you to spend some time reflecting on the Spirit. One of the ways that we experience the Spirit's freedom in our lives is forgiveness of sin. And so right now is a good time to spend some time reflecting with God and asking God for forgiveness in areas that, that you've been holding out. You've been saying, not here, God. You don't get to impact this part. And so today, before you take the bread and the cup, would you say to the Spirit of God, you get all of me. You get all of me. Not just the parts I want to give. You get all of me. I remember uh, being dead. And uh, I'm happier being alive. Um, I think most of the time we spend being dead, we don't realize uh, uh, when we're satisfied being dead, it's because we don't realize how dead we are. And I still experience that sometimes. I'm grateful to be alive, and I'm grateful to have uh, the Spirit of God living in me. And I hope that you uh, experience that and enjoy that as well. We're going to uh, ask our servers to come forward and, and receive the offering right now. And uh, we, always, we always praise God for what you give because we trust that you do it out of faith and uh, trust and worship to Him. Um, and we also want to thank you. Uh, we have had people jump on board to give, and that, that moves ministry around here. So um, it's always exciting. Uh, I'm also grateful to have a moment to talk to you as the, as the offering goes around uh, to share with you uh, some student ministry thoughts. Uh, we uh, have been having so much fun at the warehouse across the street this whole year. We just wrapped up May with uh, our last May date with Junior High last Wednesday. It's been really exciting to meet so many new students through the students that we have, and uh, a lot of the nights and the events we've been able to enjoy has been am amazing. A few things that are coming up that we want to share with you uh, parents and just with the whole crew. Uh, first of all is tonight and this Wednesday are two key dates for the summer. We call them newbie night. It's when we... Uh, have a lot of new people come in, every eighth grader that just graduated. We're welcoming tonight as new freshmen in the high school group. So that's tonight uh, at 6 o'clock at the warehouse. If you know any, anybody who just graduated from eighth grade, you should send them out. This Wednesday is newbie night for our junior high group. So any fifth grader that just graduated, we call them sixth graders. We move everybody up, and uh, we, we get to enjoy the whole summer with them. Also, we have two trips coming up that I wanted to share with you. Uh, high school group has a trip coming up called Omega. And it'll be in July. Also in July, Escape is the, is the name of the trip that we have for junior high. So both groups have a trip where we get away. And I just want to share some thoughts with you on that, especially parents who control the checkbooks and you control the calendar for family and things like that. Uh, the students are aware. You may be aware. If you don't, get on that email like, uh, like Dennis talked about. 
Uh, you may not successfully receive the literature through the, through the kids. I know it gets lost in the car or in the pockets or it blows across the parking lot. Um, but if you need some of that, I can give you some of that today. The thought behind these trips is that when we can get them out, already we've, we've accomplished part of our purpose. Part of the victory is just getting them away. Some of them need to get away from the grind of uh, summer boredom. Others of our students need to get away from the grind of doing too much this summer, too much working or too many camps or things like that. When we get them away, it gets them away from routine influences and, and, uh, and routines. We get to have them in nature more than they normally are. We get to have them around accepting positive uh, fellow students and adults more than they normally are. And it's a great opportunity uh, to s- spend that kind of time to them, to in- invest in them, invest in the relationships that we have with them that will come home with us, and most importantly, challenge them in their faith and ask them questions about what they believe and the path that they're choosing. We're always choosing a path. And we want them to be able to get away and remove themselves and really figure out what they're doing with God and what they're doing with the path that they're on and then come back refreshed, recharged, maybe with a a whole lot of uh, more deeper relationships or more relationships in general and, and come back and do life perhaps in a different way. These trips are always effective mile markers in a person's faith when they have new discoveries and make, make new decisions or commitments, it's always beneficial going forward to be able to go back to those moments and those relationships, those mile markers. So we really want to ask you as families to figure out what you can do to send your junior higher on escape or send your high schooler on, uh, on Omega. It's going to be awesome. We don't want them to miss out. Uh, sign-ups are starting tonight at the warehouse for both of these trips. Uh, registration has begun. If you've got a junior hire, I've actually, it's in the crowd. Uh, Dora's waving, and she's got paper. If you don't want to wait till you get home and look it up online, southfieldchurch.com, you can download this stuff. Dora has it, and she probably won't charge you much. Free. Okay. Today's a good day. And then uh, Courtney actually has all of the Omega flyers and brochures. Everything you need to know is in there. I'll be around if I can answer any questions. We'd love to have you guys come with us. And on that note, I'm going to hand it back to these guys. Would you like to stand? You've been bid to stand. We're going to end the day in worship. Join us. Let's sing about his great love. And he is jealous for me. Love's like a hurricane, and I am a tree bending beneath the weight of his wind and mercy.